Hi, this is Kev Lakes Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to say that in my continuing quest to demonstrate how international the blues is, I'm now joined by an Australian in America, Kerry Powers. How are you? I'm doing very well, Kev. Thanks for having me. It's not a problem, not a problem. So how long have you lived in America now, though? Uh, I, I was born here in America. I thought you were Australian. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm American. I'm not Australian. I'm, I'm the, an American. Where the heck have I got <laughs> Australian from, then? <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I'd be proud to be an Australian as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you all, let's start again, shall we? <laughs> No, it's great. It's great. I was born and bred here in America. Oh, dear. Um, it's, it's, it's a good job this isn't a video call, because I'm going very, very red. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I was born and bred here, but I was, I was raised in the north part, you know, um, Massachusetts, which is the north part. Right. It's not, I wasn't, I mean, primarily when you hear about blues, a lot of times you, you listen to... Uh, you know, artists from down south, but I've I've been drawn to the blues from the time I was just a little girl, and I have no idea where it comes from. You know, it's kind of a mystery, but it's a good one. So your household wasn't a particularly musical household, then? Is that what you're saying? No, it was very musical, but it wasn't really it wasn't really blues. You know, the origin right. of of how I was introduced to music was by way of. Well, my mother was a Janis Joplin fan, but primarily it was, you know, Bob Dylan, Joan Baez. My dad was a huge country, old country, Merle Haggard, right. Patsy Cline, Tammy Wynette. So I, I kind of gravitated, you know, as soon as I heard people like Holland Wolf and some of those older Lightning Hopkins, you know, yeah. I just flipped out like that. I knew right away that was kind of my, you know, my end of things. I really wanted to, uh, to delve in and play the blues and that style of music, which we call Americana here as well. I know, and um, this is a phrase that it, it seems to have taken off in the past five or six years, and it does sort of grate with me, yeah. because it, it's all encompassing. Yep. Not that I want to pigeonhole yeah. things, but... Uh, That's right, yeah. I've asked a few people what it was about the blues that drew them to it, and quite often the answer is the honesty and rawness of it. So was that the case mm -hmm. with you? It absolutely was. I mean, even even without the lyrics, you know, uh, some of the uh, the Mississippi, the deep Mississippi Delta blues, you know, that it just resonates, and it's a it's an intangible thing. You know, you don't quite understand why it resonates, but I think it's pretty obvious for me is that you know it's just a very deep, real, authentic um, music. You know, and I think everything derives from the blues really that's where most of our music comes from if not all I so said, yeah it was just real i have said on numerous occasions that if you trace music back quite often it will end up as a blues song somewhere back in the 1920s that's right yeah i totally agree and um it's just real and they don't they cut right to the chase kevin that's i i really consider myself i was raised that way my dad was that way you know uh you cut right to the chase and you get right to the heart, and that's what resonates with people. It's a universal thing. Yeah. And you say you were listening to music, you were up in the north, 
But you mentioned there about the Delta music from the South. So did you start investigating the history of the music once you got into it? I did. Um, I think more so because I was really young. I was probably eight or nine years old. For me, it was it was the excitement of playing that, that style of music. And I started with Travis picking, you know, like blues picking guitar. Yeah. And I, I used to walk the, yeah, the railroad tracks of my house. I would walk to this gentleman who was um, from the South, but he lived, literally lived around the block <laughs> from where I grew up. So I used to go on Saturday mornings and um, he would just always tell me, you know, just, just feel it more so than worrying about reading the music or following the notes he's like you gotta it's gotta come from your soul and i just knew that you know somehow i just knew that that was the that was the real message so uh i was lucky that way but for me it was more about playing it and then later on you know i kind of got more into the the history of of the delta blues and um there's someone right now that i'm listening to that i you know you're always stumbling upon people that you hadn't heard of before blind connie williams Right. I don't know if you've heard that name. Uh, no, I yeah. haven't, no. I mean, we do have a yeah, feature on the show. Uh, it's called the Analog Blues Track, where we like to play something from the 1920s, 1930s. And like wow. like you say, there's so much stuff being unearthed recently. People are clearing out their attics or whatever and coming across mm-hmm. these wonderful recordings. <laughs> yeah, and they're just, they're just amazing. You know, you could just get lost in them, but... One of my all-time favorite female blues artists, her, her name is Jessie Mae Hemphill, um, and it just amazes me how many folks have not heard of her. I just, I think she's phenomenal, you know? So when you're performing, when you're writing songs, are you trying to champion these kind of people? Well, I don't know so much if it's championing. Um, I think it's more, you know, you, you keep them in mind in terms of honoring them, but I, I always try to maintain my own sound as well, sort of a combination of, you know, I think a lot of artists would say this, you have influences, of course, Mm -hmm. but I just kind of let it come naturally. It's more of an organic type thing, and whatever flows just kind of flows. You have to learn to trust it. Yeah. But you were talking there about going to see the chappy around the corner, and I've just got this vision of you walking along by the side of the railway with your guitar in hand, and I thought, that'll make a superb album cover. Right? Yeah, man. And and I was really young and there was this, this is a true story, there was a chicken that used to follow me home all the time. <laughs> she would just kind of, honest to God, it was hilarious. She was like a hen, you know, and she would like cluck behind me with the neck going and I was like, this, this chick is out of her mind. But she would follow me home, perch in a pine tree, you know, for an hour and sleep and then she'd take off. And it was like, a, it was a weekly thing. She just had this thing for like, Maybe my guitar, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my blues uh, chicken. <laughs> Good title for a song. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you started performing at the local coffee houses in New England. So what kind of stuff were you playing at that time? Well, I sort of had like a, a wide range because I was learning, you know, and I considered myself somewhat of a songwriter. So it was like... A little, it was a melding pot of everything. You know, I would play, of course, some blues stuff. Um, I would play some covers, but I started to really experiment with, you know, songwriting. And I really loved that and gravitated toward that. So 
it's taken years to sort of put everything together and find a real comfortable spot, but it does definitely live in more of the blues Americana type uh, realm. You know, it's not it's not uh, it's not to say that it's not singer songwriter, but it's kind of more singer songwriter, but in more of a blues vein, if that makes sense. Yeah, you suffered some hard times, which I'm I'm not going to delve into. That's your personal life. Um, but that right. that must have been inspiration for some songs. Yeah, man, it, it was really incredible. I mean, I, I lived, I moved out into this old farmhouse in a place called Coventry, Connecticut. And, uh, you know, I lived on my own and um, the stuff just kind of poured out of me, you know. And I've always felt like that. I've been really lucky that when you do experience hard times, it's been a really good outlet. And um, it's hard to be vulnerable, you know, and, I, and it just came naturally. And it really helped to heal me. And my hope is that putting the music out there heals other people. That's that's really the key. That's well, why we do what we do, to connect. There is a quote from you saying, music and art have always been a healing force in my life. Mm-hmm. That must have been the case in these past 12 months with everything that's gone on. Yeah, and when I when this when COVID hit, I was in Europe. I was in the Netherlands. I was supposed to embark on a three-week tour, and uh, my label head, Bert, he's really wonderful. He drove me to Dusseldorf, and then I went, you know, flew from Dusseldorf to Dublin and had to stay for three days. I caught one of the last two seats on the last flight back to the States, you know, when the travel ban hit. Mm-hmm. So for the first couple of months, I was pretty much, you know, I don't know if I was just in shock or trying to process everything, but I didn't write much. And then all of a sudden it just kind of hit, you know, I was writing. So were you promoting Star Seeds at that point then? No, um, Star Seeds had pretty much run run its course. I mean, I was I was over there touring. You could say, you know, with Star Seeds, but I was just trying to. Uh, I was supposed to be writing for an upcoming album. It just took a little bit longer to do that because of the pandemic. But um, I did end up writing, uh, and I'm I'm literally in the studio now, and we're halfway through the process, and I'm really excited about the next album. Right, because there was another release called Session Nineteen, wasn't there? Yeah, that was just a, that was actually just uh, released over in Europe. We didn't, we didn't release it here in the States. And uh, I wrote a couple of political songs, you know, and then there were just songs that I, there was like five, you know, like more of an EP, five song EP. Mm-hmm. And it was released over there. But I, I obviously couldn't tour behind that because of COVID. Yeah. Tracks that you have recorded have ended up in cinema and on television. That must be a thrill for you when you're sat watching TV and one of your songs comes on. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. I uh, it, it is thrilling, and I, I feel really honored. I don't necessarily focus on those things. I think what's most uh, exciting for me is the process of writing the songs. But my husband said, hey, you know, I just recently, a couple of years ago, had a, a song placed in a movie with uh, Chuck Webner and... Um, Naomi Watts, she's uh, from New Zealand, and I was really excited to have that happen, and he said, we have to go to, you know, see the movie and hear the song, and so when I went, you know, I didn't think much of it, but when I was there and it happened, it was really amazing, like it is, it's an amazing feeling, you know, it was uh, just a feeling of accomplishment. Were you tempted to stand uh, up and say, that's me, that's me? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) well, at at the end, you know, what was really cool was when you see the credits rolling... Yeah, and you see your name on the big screen, man. It was, uh, it's quite an honor. Yeah, now there's a, yeah. a quote about you, which uh, I'm not sure how you take this one. 
a, a Mark Twain-like trickster whose wry words, <laughs> dramatic sense of dynamics and supple phrasing can celebrate joy and hope. I mean, obviously, it's yep. meant well, but it's the, yeah. the the trickster bit that sort of confuses me. Well, I think it's that's kind of a slang term for... I take that as, like, I'm I'm known for being a little mischievous, you know? Really? Um, and it's... And I... Well, yeah, in the sense of uh, just having fun and, and sort of uh, the adrenaline part of it, you know, like I, I think what he what he means by that is that I'm a trickster with words, you know, sort right. of um, just the words that I choose when I write, and uh, I took that as a great compliment. And uh, Mark Twain was always known for being somewhat mischievous and fun, mm. you know, um, at times. He was a bit of a, a devil, you know, so... Um, I took that as a compliment. I mean, again, I don't really take things uh, too much to heart in this business. I think any press is good press when, <laughs> when you're getting started, you know. But I took that as a really, a really great, a great quote. You want to talk about good press? Her songs, landscapes, evoke the similar worlds of artists like Bruce Springsteen or Gillian Welch. I mean, come on, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, it's it's like again, it's just a great honor. I mean. You know, those are those are big names to live up to, and, and I could only hope to do that. But I just, you know, the thing with me, Kev, again, is the process, and I know that the most important element in writing these songs is staying true to who I am as an artist and letting all the rest kind of just fall into place as it's going to, you know? Yeah. Well, going back yep. to the Starseeds album, there were two covers on there. They were all originals apart from two covers. There was Polly mm-hmm. by Gene Clark and... Yep. Can't Find My Way Home by Blind Faith. Why did you choose those? Well, a friend of mine who was also a producer here uh, in New England, Lauren Entress is his name, he he turned me on to that one song, Polly. And I just, I've always had this thing about birds, you know, the free-flying bird, like the imagery. And I love Gene Clark's music. I think he's one of the most underestimated, wonderful writers out there, you know, and so I was just, I don't know, I was really drawn to the song, and I had just hoped that I could do it justice. And then, of course, I uh, Can't Find My Way Home. I heard that when I was a kid, and I just freaked out over the song. You know, I just thought it was an amazing song. And there was something about it that really resonated with me. I didn't quite know at the time, because I was young, what it meant. But again, it was about the the feeling, you know, mm. um, the emotion, Yeah. So I just chose those two because they felt close to home. They were coming from the heart again. So uh, that's why I put them out there. And you know, I had some some nice uh, some nice feedback. So I'm I'm happy about it. I'm, I'm glad I chose them. I'm not familiar with your total catalogue. Have you ever done a Beatles cover? No, I haven't. But I love the Beatles. You know, the song "I'll Follow the Sun" is like one of my all-time favorite songs. Because on the other show that I do, I have a feature called The Beatles Bit, and there's people covering Beatles songs. No kidding. Would you ever do something like that? I would do it for you, for sure. Like, I, you know, I haven't... <laughs> oh, bless. I, I haven't... I haven't... Not really, man. I, I'd have, be happy to send you something. I haven't really thought about that. You know, I love The Beatles. I just haven't... I haven't had a chance to really get around to covering anything. Yeah, because there, there's some people that I've interviewed over the years that have done a whole album of Beatles songs done in a blues wow. style. You know, yeah. and there's one thing I've noticed doing that feature is that Beatles songs will fit virtually any style of music. 
Yeah, isn't that remarkable? Yeah. Anyway, we've got off at a tangent here. So you say <laughs> you're in the studio at the moment and you're working on stuff for a new album. Do you have a timeline mm-hmm. for that? Is it going to be later this year or early next year? Well, due to COVID, you know, we're, we're, it's going to be one or the other. We're either going to release it here in the States in October or we're going to wait until the 1st of 2022. I'm working with a producer by the name of Marco Giovino, and uh, he was Robert Plant's drummer in uh, the Band of Joy. Mm-hmm. So he's worked with some remarkable people, and I just feel really lucky that he, you know, he likes the music enough to get behind it, and um, we've got some remarkable players on the record. So it just, it kind of feels like, uh, you know, moving forward, and I feel lucky to do that right now during such a you know an uncertain time Mm. but yeah so we're just thinking october if if things go well with the vaccinations here and you know things are moving forward um but then again if if you know we may have to wait until january it's it's just an uncertain thing it's it's a little frustrating but at least i'll have the album done yeah so we'll be able to decide at that point what we're going to do well, I was saying before the interview started how I've been talking to people from around the world, and you yeah. start to get a bit of a, a snapshot of how things are developing around the world. There was a chappy over in India. They've just started doing gigs again, but on a small scale. Um, Christine Croft over in Australia, they've started doing gigs on a smaller scale, and it's starting to build up, which is hopeful in my eyes. It is hopeful, and that's the way I look at it too. I think... You know, I think things are going to just kind of go that way. They're going to start off small scale and just because we have to wait and see, you know, we can't just rush in and as much as I miss it, I really do. I mean, I have some outdoor stuff happening over the summer, but uh, I think they're going to do the same thing here. Like it's just going to be a certain capacity, you know, a number of people and it's not going to exceed a certain number to start, Yeah, which is smart, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for someone like yourself who basically born to perform, this must be so mm-hmm. frustrating. It's just bizarre. You know, I have to say, like, even I do the live streaming from time to time just because I want to stay connected uh, with folks, and I, and I feel as though I'm really lucky to have uh, an audience of people that, that want to hear the music and stuff, so I want to honor that. But it's, it's a different approach, you know, to play uh, on a live stream as opposed to playing live and connecting at the end of a show and so yeah it's been frustrating that's a good word it it definitely has been but i'm also i'm also optimistic i think things people are going to be really willing and and really hungry you know for the live music scene again so i think we just have to be patient it's that thing people want to go and see live performances people want to get out and socialize and stuff but we've got to be careful we've got to go slowly about this we have to we have to go really slow exactly yeah. yeah anywho it has been an absolute joy speaking to you and i hope we can do this again sometime the, i hope so too thank you and i wish you all the best for the future and i look forward to future releases thank you so much kev we'll get one out to you as soon as it's released and i uh i appreciate your support thanks so much my pleasure And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there. And there will be more as we record more for the show. And we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So plenty more to come. And of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.